Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview. Or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. Okay, now I get the honor and privilege of welcoming up my friend Joe Goldsby. Um, He is going to do our teaching this morning. So James had asked asked our elder team if we had anybody in mind because he was going to be on at a seaside trip uh, for basketball with his boys and his family this weekend. And one of the things that came from that question was I I thought of uh, the Advent, um, the Christmas Advent uh, little teachings that we have, right? And one of the great things that comes from that is hearing from different folks within our congregation that you don't always hear from. And Joe's teaching during that time, even in a two, three minute thing, was something that encouraged me a ton. And I go, oh, man, I want to hear more from him. So I said, hey, James, what do you think about Joe teaching us? And he said, that is a great idea. Let me see what his cost is. And we were able to afford him. So we're going to bring him on up and he's going to teach and uh, it's going to be a great time. Well, um, yeah, they cornered me. So I'm going to have to raise this up maybe a little. Thank you. So it's not one of those that just slide up. That's good. Great. Well, my name is Joe Goldsby, as you heard, and my wife, Bev, and I moved to the Longview area a little over three years ago from Battleground. I was born and raised there. And so uh, for those of you that are native to this area, if you're bothered by those of us coming in and crowding you, I apologize, but at least we're not from California. So <laughs> we can take that, take that one home. So uh, we, we landed here at Renewal really because of Ryan and Amber. Um, Amber is my niece, my niece's daughter actually. And my niece told me, my daughter, you know, lives up there, and they go to this great church. If I lived in Longview, that's where I'd go. So we landed here and ended up knowing a few friends already, uh, Randy and Bonnie. Um, I knew them a little bit, and so we've been here ever since. And so I want to thank them and the rest of you that serve so faithfully here to make a home so that my wife and I have a great place to come to and worship and uh, build relationships. So this morning, uh, I'm so encouraged. Um, just as God connects the dots, it, uh, as you listen to the message, and I may remind you, but there are some points in the worship songs this morning that Tyler picked out that are like the message. So I could get down now, and that could have been the message almost. And so I just, I get encouraged, and God builds my faith when he connects the dots like that. So we're going to look at John 6, 60 through 71 this morning, and uh, see if we can't pick out a few things that uh, stick for us. Uh, the last couple weeks that we're encouraging as James and Jody spoke, uh, Jody's reference to sitting, to, when he sat down and said, I want to share some things I've been chewing on. That statement, chewing on, for some reason stuck with me. And so uh, as, I've, as I prepared for this week, uh, that's kind of one of the things that uh, kind of stuck. And so I'm, I'm hoping that we can, we can get some things to chew on. So we'll read uh, this passage from... Verse, chapter 6, starting in 60. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? 
Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, and he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that, e that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve who would later betray him. So the, the hard verse that we heard last week that, that his disciples couldn't swallow, no pun intended, was that Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life in you. Now, those are some tough words. Uh, I don't think uh, I would have accepted them, and I don't think many of you would either. Uh, I don't know that we would have understood. But Jesus said a lot of tough things, didn't he? He said some stuff I don't understand that I have to plate for another day, like maybe when I go to heaven. Jesus said some tough things. But many of those that deserted him that day, I think, were following him for some of the wrong reasons. We know that many of them were expecting Jesus to establish a physical kingdom that would free them from the tyranny and rule of the Roman Empire. But we know different. We know that Jesus came to establish an unseen kingdom for them and for us. This, these iPads are great because sometimes they just scroll to where you don't want to go. It's great. I wondered, uh, what can cause people to desert Jesus? Those, those group of disciples, they deserted him. They left him. And so as I was thinking through that, I came up with uh, three different things that maybe uh, we deal with and we see other people deal with, why they've deserted Jesus. Jesus, or at least stopped in their tracks. And that's probably the key picture that I took from this was people as we stop in our process of following Jesus. Extreme disappointment. I'm going to tell a story about my, my grandfather. We called him granddad. And he was a circuit Baptist preacher back in Sandoval, Illinois, probably shortly after the turn of the century. And when my mother was 13 years old, her mother passed away. She had some sort of illness. We don't even know what it is. But that made my grandfather, my granddad, very angry at God. And he quit. He was done. And so she, years later, when mom and dad got married, they moved out here. He followed with his current wife. We called her granny. Isn't that something? Granddad and granny. That's, I just find that almost humorous. But, but granddad played a, a real crucial role in my upbringing. My dad died when I was five, and so Granddad always lived near us, and he raised chickens. He raised fryers, and so as many as 175,000 at a time. So my brothers and I, 
spent much of our childhood working in the chicken farm. And so every Saturday, Granddad would come and get me and my brother, who's four years older than I am, and pick us up and take us to the chicken house. And not exactly the most pleasant place if any of you have ever worked in a chicken ranch. But we would feed the chickens and water, check the waters and clean up the mess and pick up any of the dead chickens that died the night before and dispose of them in the, in the barrel. And, and when we were done, usually about 11 or so, Granddad would take us to the corner store in Orchards, Wilson's Corner Store, right where an O'Reilly's is right now. And he'd give us each a quarter. And we could go into the store and we bought a pop and a bunch of candy and go back to the car and granddad went next door into the friendly tavern. And we'd sit there in the car for an hour, two hours, sometimes three hours. If we were going to be there a long time, once in a while he'd bring us out a hamburger. And, uh, but when he came out, he'd come out pretty sauced and uh, he'd drive us home. Sometimes kind of moving towards the white line, but everyone would wave at Frank because everybody knew everybody back then. It was, what, it was like 1822, no, not that old, but. At any rate, we always made it home. But the point being, you know, Granddad spent the, that huge window of his life disconnected from God. At the end, my oldest brother was able to pray with him in the hospital and believes that Granddad reconciled his relationship with God. And so we as a family have a hope that we're going to be able to spend time with him again. But again, the point is, because of disappointment... He spent all those years disconnected from God. Another thing that might affect people to just stop in their relationship is um, an intellectual shift in their belief system. And some of you may know, especially maybe some younger people who have made that decision. I have a niece who was in position to go into the mission field. She's been her whole life in the church, youth, went through high school, was in position to go into ministry, and COVID hit. And she stayed with some other relatives that had a different belief system and convinced her that her belief system in God was skewed and either needed to be shift, shifted or turned, I'm not sure how much, but she no longer confesses to be a Christ follower, doesn't go to church, doesn't want to talk to her family about it. So that her intellect has been shifted because of other people's beliefs. But we don't believe that's the end of her story either. We believe that the Holy Spirit will be able to get to her, fill that void, and she'll once again be able to experience that peace that only God can give. And then extreme selfishness. This is mine. One of mine. You know, it can, it can, it can be tough to count the cost to be a Christ follower. And that's some of the tough stuff that Jesus said, I think. And I believe most of us here know some of those things. Some of the things that Jesus said, sell everything, disconnect and disown your relatives, your wife, your, your mother, leave them. You know, those are some tough things that he said that, again, we can plate for another time. But the sacrifices and the, our selfishness oftentimes causes us just to stand, especially in our culture when we have so much available to us, so much stuff, so many, so many things, fame or our job, the self-worth that we gain from those things can cause us to stop. We wrestle with those things, and I think we should. But I also think we need to wrestle with them in context of our family. I think all of us could probably tell stories, at least some that we've heard of, some in the church lying alongside the road, dead or wounded, because of the, the attempt to 
to run the race, to, to run faster, and to build a church. And so people over-sacrifice at the expense of the family. And I'm so thankful that that's not renewal. As I was looking into these passages and thinking about uh, the personal path of following Jesus, uh, a term came to mind that I'm sure most of you have heard, uh, becoming covered by the dust of your rabbi. There's a little clip that I took from uh, the, a webpage I wanted to read. If your rabbi was tra a traveling rabbi, you would travel with him, oftentimes in the company of his other disciples. You slept where he slept and ate what he ate. If it was his practice to walk fast, you would walk fast. If he walked with a skip in his gait, you would do the same. It is said that the disciples stuck so close to the rabbi that they became covered with the dust kicked up by his sandals. So that's our goal, to be dusty, to be that closely following Jesus. So if I put that picture in my own life, as I think back of that path of following Christ, I've had experiences where I can actually say, I've been a little bit dusty. But for the most part, unfortunately, I have to admit that the dust settles in front of me on that path before I get there. And again, that's, for the past few years, been on my mind. It's a, it's a life process, I think, um, to, to ask ourselves tough questions. But how about getting a little closer? Our tendency... My tendency in the past was to take off running to try to catch up in my own strength. But in verse 63, Jesus said, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The Holy Spirit might hold the key here, do you think? The connection to one of our worship songs. The invitation. And, and, and it happens every week, but the relevance of the Holy Spirit in our life. He left us his Holy Spirit in order to give us comfort and power to live the life in his kingdom with his victory. Again, these are things that I need to be reminded of. And I hope that somehow you need to be reminded of a couple of them as well. John 5, 19, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees his father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. And I believe it was through the Holy Spirit that Jesus received at his baptism that enabled him to spend those 40 days enduring temptation and fasting and then to go on and perform the miracles that he saw his father doing because he heard his father through the Holy Spirit. He gave us that same Holy Spirit. And as Christ's followers, we've become members of the kingdom of God. It affects the physical that we see, touch and taste, but it resides in the unseen. That we, especially in our culture, barely recognize, I think, if we're honest. The unseen is so important. On my best day, I probably give it a half a percent of my attention. And then, what is our identity? Who are we? What's our position in his kingdom? 
Scripture tells us that we're, and I, I, I can get excited over this, but we're joint heirs with Jesus. We've been adopted by the best father ever. We're also told that that comes with authority and privileges. We can come boldly into our father's throne room all the time. That's just good news that I don't own often enough. I'm convinced that believing that I am who my father says I am and recognizing more consistently the importance of the role of the Holy Spirit will result in my life continuing to be changed as well as blessing those around me in a bigger way. Galatians 5.16 tells us, so I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We're to walk by the Spirit, not run by the Spirit. Yet even as I champion this process, or if I'm able to, I will still be living through trials that seem at times overwhelming. Disappointments that would seem to be able to derail my faith. Any questions that my intellect cannot answer? Those are the things that I will be living through. And of the four reasons that I mentioned up above, or the three rather, um, where, where a person would stop in their tracks or potentially desert Jesus, I think disappointment has great potential. Because disappointment can lead to desperation. Another one of our songs this morning. And I was talking to Randy earlier today, and he asked me, well, when was the last time that I spoke in front of a group of people? And it was at our previous church some five years ago. And this is, this is because of Tyler picking the worship song. This portion's in here, so you can blame him. That message was all about desperation. And the theme of this message really is desperation. And when Randy asked me that and I was sitting there during worship, I just, I, I, I thank God for connecting the dots. They give me stones of faith that I can put in my, my wall of faith. Even if they're just little ones, they fit. And again, I think desperation, my grandfather had an opportunity to go from disappointment to desperation in the right place to God. And I think it's often through desperation that the Holy Spirit miraculously can transport us forward on our path to the dusty zone. I've been there a few times, and it's, it's really tough getting there. And recently, some of you know, I had another opportunity for that. And it's still a little fresh, still a little bit raw, but that desperation takes you to a place of dependence on God. And again, the Holy Spirit can move us to a place that we can't get ourselves sometimes, into that dusty place. I'm afraid I will never be as dusty as those serving in other countries. I just don't think this culture and my flesh will make room for it, honestly. I'm just being honest. 
but I'm not moving. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here. One more thing from Jody. If you go fast, if you want to go fast, go alone, he said. If you want to go far, go together. Relationships are vital to our getting dusty and not deserting. Some three years into our marriage, um, a small group changed and saved our marriage. And so small groups have always been vital uh, in our life. We've been involved with them in varying degrees over the years. But it's a great place to build relationships and to chew on something besides pizza. Chew on some things that matter and to build relationships that matter. And we're thankful for the small group that we're in now where we are building relationships that matter. During my recent opportunity for devastation that turned to desperation, that small group, some, some of those people in there, they, they meant a lot. I got text and, and phone calls and people were praying and it was the people that we have built relationship with. I know that there'll be many more times in my life when I feel devastated and my answer will be, Lord, to whom would I go? Just like Peter. Even though I'm disappointed, even though I'm angry, even though I don't understand, even though I'm grieving, even though I'm hurting, even though my family's hurting, and the toughest one of all, if you have kids, is even though my babies are hurting. I have to say, you have the words of life. So I wonder what we chew on the most from Monday to Saturday. Our problems, politics, our job, our hobbies. And if we take that metaphor a little further of chewing, as we start to swallow what we're chewing on, it really becomes part of who we are, part of our spiritual lives. Just a thought. Just something to think about. No answers, just a thought. But I think, again, going back to something that Tyler mentioned, taking those times to calm ourselves, to let the Holy Spirit take over in some situations, those things in our life that can begin to overwhelm us is vital. So some things that I want to remember from from this portion of, of God's word. I want to remember that we've been adopted by the best father ever. And that we have a brother and a savior in Jesus that has a lot of influence in that father's kingdom. And I want to remember that we've been given the Holy Spirit to be ever present to encourage and to direct our faith. Remember our position in Christ, in his kingdom, that we can stand strong. We don't have to waver back and forth. We don't have to be ashamed. We can be confident because of who we are in Christ, because we've been adopted, because Jesus is on the throne. If he's my brother, I'm right next to him. It, it's real, and yet do I 
realize that in my life very often, Monday through Saturday, not often enough. And remember the reality of the unseen and the importance of it. And that all in the Holy Spirit's all over that. And then to remember to build relationships that matter. There's friends and there's acquaintance and buddies and all, it's all good, but ones that matter, really matter. And, and I'm sure many of us already have those and we want to be that for other people as well. Something my brother often said was, we don't have to live under our circumstances, we can live over them. And through really the, the blessing of the Holy Spirit, I believe we can do that. And uh, so I pray that in the coming days that God would give us really some really good things, maybe the best things to chew on with ourselves, with our spouses, with those that we have relationship with, that we could digest those things and that we would be able to stand strong and it would culminate in, again, some of the things that Jody wanted to chew on, miracles. To hear and do what our Father is doing through the Holy Spirit more often. My wife and I were down at Newport at the aquarium and we walked in and there was three, four people sitting there. And when we walked by, I, I just felt like some sort of a obscure connection, but being the, uh, the dummy that I am, just cruised in and, and Bev followed me and we went, went in and she goes, she came over, grabbed mine, she said, I think we're supposed to pray for those people. Well, okay, that's enough, right? I felt my little twinge and then she says that. So, And this doesn't happen often, but it's an example of what God can do. And so we went back and, and I let her, she's the, it's her idea, you know. So... So she said, you know, I think we're supposed to pray for you guys. You know, they, they welcomed it. We, we prayed for them. And, and you could tell they got a little bit of emotion. And they told us just a little bit of their story. They, they were having a little family reunion. And there was some, you know, there were some issues. One lady was in a wheelchair. Anyways, small thing. We don't know the results of that. But it's those sorts of things that, again, um, it should happen more often than uh, a year and four months ago for me. So um, just that's really what I, I felt to share today. Um, I want to invite the worship team to come back up and, and uh, we're going to sing a few more worship songs and or two, whatever they choose. And as we, as we do every week, come and share uh, the Lord's table. I want to ask that we each, just as Tyler mentioned, uh, kind of take a moment and maybe empty our mind and, and ask the Holy Spirit what you need to ask him. Not what I want you to ask him. What's he asking you to ask for? Let's examine ourselves as we come to the table. And expect God to do great things as we celebrate the free gift that he's given us.